lucky to have with me today uh, one of my, my long-term friends. I uh, love watching and being a part of his journey in the fitness industry the last few years, uh, Josh Saunders. So welcome uh, to the Coaches Collective podcast, mate. Morning. Morning. Um, Joshy, you've been in the industry how long now? This is my fourth year. Amazing. Um, so I remember meeting you when you were pretty much brand new, just a pup. Um, yes. Wa wanting to work it all out. Uh, we've obviously had an interesting uh, few years for you to start your career. Uh, so, yeah. so Joshi, like, I guess, okay, where I'd love to start is just your, your evolution. And I see, you know, when you come across people, you know, when you come across, like you have a, a chat with a potential, like a client or whatever, and you just get a vibe for them and you're like, this guy's a gun. Like I know he's gonna, I know he's gonna do well. Like he just seems to have the right attitude. Joshy, when you started off, t tell us a little bit about your backstory, mate. So you were a bit of an athlete. You, you played uh, that buffhead sport. What is it? NRL. That stupid, barbaric, idiot sport, rugby league. Yes, yes, <laughs> I did play that. I used to use my body as a weapon, and I have nothing's changed. Um, I, yeah, so. I always say, okay. you know, um, you know the guy was it? You guy plays used to play for New South Wales, Clemmer. Uh, David Clemmer, yes. I'm like, Josh was basically like Clemmer <coughs> on the field as much as I've seen like his videos. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah. Just trying to be a wrecking ball and hurt people. That's basically the MO. <laughs> so, so I guess we're very similar in our athletic story that, you know, uh, injury just kind of plagued us in sport. So you want us to tell us a bit about like, I guess obviously you, you kind of retired from that sport pretty young. Yeah, retired at 21. And um, there was a lot of politics, and a lot of drama and a lot of uh, he said, she said sort of stuff. But obviously injuries were a big part of that. And I kind of looked at myself and I said, why am I really doing this if I don't love it anymore? It's, it's one of my values is that if you do love something, you'll put everything towards it and you won't ever take a backward step. It's also for the contrary. If you don't love it anymore, why do you continue to do it? If you're not going to put your whole self into it, like there's no half-assing in anything. Well, there shouldn't be in my opinion. I'm going to whole-ass everything. And if I'm not willing to whole-ass it, and why am I willing to do it? So that's kind of the, the story behind the rugby league thing. And yeah, I just, I guess I wanted to continue on with the gym. I'd been training in the gym when I retired for about six or seven years. And I really, really did love that. And I saw the benefits it gave me on the field and wanted to do something similar for the layman or the other person, or the other people in the, the community of people trying to get healthier and str stronger and fitter and faster. And that's, that's pretty much how I started. So, Mate, you touched on something that before we kind of roll to the next thing, why people actually play sport. Now, I, I come across so many guys that are PTs that play a sport, right? Outside of, you know, obviously, you know, being in the gym. And I guess I'm interested on your take because I have my own and obviously we all have a story, but why do you think a lot of people go along playing footy? Like they kind of love it, but you know, like there's the tragics that keep playing until they're they're fucking broken and like 35 and basically their body says stop, right? And they feel very lost. What's your experience the around that? The fossils, yes. Man, I think, fossil business. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people get into it from a very early age because they start to receive attention that they didn't get from their, their parents. Like we've been over this story a, a multitude of times and that's obviously <clears throat> where I started in my journey. I started to get a lot of attention from mum and dad because I was good at the sport and that drove me um, a lot to compete and have a competitive edge and 
I think people just don't have the self-awareness where they get to that age where they don't realize that you can have that without competing in a sport. I saw, I was watching, um, you know, you see like a real pop-up or whatever. And I, and I see like, um, you know, like Mike Tyson's story. And you see yeah. how like fucking broken that guy was at like a young age, but you know, he had Costamato and he had these amazing people. But I think you see in that story, even the best athletes in the world had no fucking idea why they were really doing it. And you're hundred percent spot on in my experience, mate. It's all about the external validation um, and people feeling like they're enough because they do something and they get, they're really good at it, but it's not really fulfilling to them. I think mate, I got to a point at 28 where after four reconstructions, I was like, but why? Like why? And, and when a coach said to me, isn't it interesting that you would literally break almost every part of your body to keep going, to feel the love with your father? Because that was yeah. the bond between me and my dad was sport. And that was about it because he was just all about work when I grew up. So I just, dude, I think that's really interesting because I feel like a lot of people when it comes to why they do a lot of things, right? Like why they do business a certain way, why they do, <laughs> we, we, yeah. could go, we could go on and on, right? Okay, so yeah, like in those early stages, um, I know that, you know, we met through FMA and I, I just saw you on the outside going, mate, this kid's just like, he's driven, like he's focused. I know he wants to just do it, but you didn't quite, you know, you didn't quite know, you know, how you wanted to do it. You just knew you were going to do it and you want to do it well. So yeah, that's pretty fair. Yeah, well, take me back to like that first, you know, like 18 months because I, I saw you build, you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't give a fuck about six figure businesses and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you were pretty much there within a 12 month period and, and doing quite well pre COVID. So what, what does it take for someone in the early stages? I mean, you kind of maybe touched on it a little bit, but what does it take for someone in the, the launch phase of their business or potentially the relaunch because COVID ruined a bunch of people, right? What, yeah. what do you see it kind of taking me? Mate, I think you have to be willing to put your put your comfortabilities aside. I think you have to be willing to be driven. I also think the biggest, to use one of your statements, the biggest ROI that I've ever gotten, even in recent years, is through mentorship. I think being able to reach out to somebody who is much further ahead than you in the same field that you want to be in, they you get to rent the experience through their cronium. You don't have to go through the exact same mistake that they have gone through, which potentially could have been detrimental had they not been in a better position. And coming into that, you're blindsided to those mistakes. You don't actually know that not having client agreements and not setting specific terms and not being very upfront with people because you're needy and you want that intention, you want the, the money and you want the clients and all those sorts of things. It's, it's very natural to want to need these things because every time we endeavor to do something, we would like to be successful. Liking being successful doesn't actually make you successful. There's a very big difference between what we want and what we get. And I think mentorship for me personally has been the number one thing that has given me the ability to be able to see through other people's eyes and rent experience through their heads so that I don't make the same mistakes that they do. But I also get a fast track version. I think when you're starting as a PT, you should be spending as much money as humanly possible on experiences of other people. That's the fastest way to get to where you want. Joshy, I saw you, it was so much fun to run those little like short immersions where you could step out of your life and just, you know, get in front. I, I loved, I loved how you, you took on the business side because I think, you, you know, you go back to your normal environment, which was like a gym out in, I can't remember, what was the area? Uh, Castle Hill. Out near Castle Hill. And you go back into your own environment 
even I'd spoken to guys that were within your gym and they had no idea about what they were doing in business. And you know, that was the environment, right? That most people live in. But yeah, like you, you stepped out of your environment a lot to, mm. yeah, you stepped out of your environment and then you would come here and like, even guys that have been in the industry like five plus years were like, fuck, how is he like, how is he pieced together all of this stuff in like a conversation and um, understood how to like break all this stuff down. And I remember that being like within six months, you were really mm. grasping like, like a, a process and a flow, not necessarily a script, but you were finding it yourself, like a flow that you could take people through. What I saw from you on the outside in is like, I would, I would, would like share something with you or teach you something, but you seem to want to really make it your own. And, and to be honest, mate, I see you doing that, which we'll get to, you know, your jujitsu because those beautiful cauliflower ears, I mean, you know, they're special. They're fantastic, aren't they? They're, they're like your nose, mate. It is. I keep trying to find what the right angle is because it's probably like this for me. <laughs> <laughs> they're all the good angles. Yeah, right. Um, I showed Harvey that, that, by the way, that video of you with the needle in your ear. He's like, oh, oh, dad, because he's into jujitsu. He's like, does that happen to me? I'm like, well, it depends if you're tough or not. I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you use your melon like your dad did, yes, it will happen to you, mate. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, okay, so what you touched on, which I think it'd be which would be great, is the energy behind what you do. And you talked about neediness versus where where I kind of I, okay, probably it's been an evolution. I remember at the start you were like, fucking people don't show up or they don't do this right or they don't understand my agreement and you get frustrated because you'd have to let people go. Because you were very, you like, you've always been dude, like, and I love it, like hard on your sleeve, like a direct guy. And I think that's why you command attention, right? When it comes to your clients. Like, I think yes. you, you do what you say, which is, which is really special, mate, for, for like a young guy. That's why I love having you on. But, but not to pump your tires up, your energy shifted somewhere along the next probably couple of years after that, where I feel like you said neediness, but I feel like, you, you very much own a space of authority in what you do. So what was the shift for you when you stopped like trying to get clients and doing it for the money? And then mm. you started actually just stepping more into like who you are and your power and, and owning who you want to be as a coach. Yeah, it's a very small evolution, mate. And I think it's it's that small factor that, that trumps a lot of people because it's not a very big distinction. It's the simple endeavor of doing it for yourself and not doing it for other people. And even it comes down into the social media space as well. We can talk about this. If you're writing a content piece for other people, you will constantly be serving other people. You'll be you're beholden to the fact of what the reaction of, of other people. And that's draining. It takes away your energy and you're not passionate about it because you're constantly thinking what other people think. And so it's what we got told in primary school. It's like, don't think about what others think. Just do you, mate. And as soon as you make that distinction and you do it for yourself and you start to gain like this passion for the things that you love talking about and the way that you've helped other people in their training and the way that you've seen the, the transition for yourself in training, you can start to put a fire behind it. And we spoke about this all the time when we used to do sales training. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And if, if you're not coming across with ridiculous amounts of passion, people are not going to listen to you. And even though you think you're doing the right thing by them, you're, you're saying what they want to hear. They don't want you to tell them what they want to hear. They want to listen to you for you. And if you're juxtaposing that by thinking about what they want to hear, you're never going to get anywhere because you're always going to run in circles. And that's what I used to do when I was younger. 
and first starting out in the industry, I thought, oh, what do people want to see? What do people want to see? That's rubbish. Focus on what makes you passionate about what you do, and that will start to be infectious to everybody else. We've been, we've been. Uh, I'll share a little insight, which would be good for our podcast kind of listeners. But, uh, but it's also a big part of. I've got a great guy, mate. I'm working with in the marketing space, and I love simplifying everything. But what I've noticed about, say, if I was to like go through and like, mate, every now and then. By the way, keep putting out videos where you pick up men and slam them, like, and make them look <laughs> like little children. Because Harvey loves those videos, right? Um, My pleasure. Yeah, keep doing that. But um. One of the big lessons from for social media, and I think for people like wanting to find like their voice and everyone fucking overcomplicates everything. Like if I look at you, like your your journey a little bit online and like, <coughs> I, I, I really miss you being part of my life, mate. So I had to make it on a podcast, but we'll, uh, we'll find a way to keep in touch. But one of the big lessons I've learned in the last even few months is when it comes to social media, document your life. Oh yeah. Right, I, I think that was the biggest lesson. Like if you're sitting there going, What's this fucking masterpiece that I'm going to reverse engineer? And um, I'm thinking about how I want to make someone feel. I don't know. It's 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 near impossible, right? Like it, it takes is. a lot of fucking creative energy. People will get become perfectionistic. They go, oh, that's not perfect. And like you said, they're doing it for others, not for themselves, right? Whereas what I see with what you're doing, dude, is like you're sharing. Like you're obviously going through with some great mentors, right? And in your world, um, you're learning a lot, and you seem to pick up things quick but you're sharing those wins or those lessons. And I think, dude, that's the power of how you, you're like, you're using social media. Are you this or that, mate? Yeah. I, I completely agree, mate. It's, it's one of those things where people will buy from you because of who you are, not what you do. In the online coaching space, everybody does the same thing. They do training, they do nutrition, they do accountability. What separates you from the next person along? It's the way that you do things and it's who you are that will speak to them. 90% of people that come to me now have already purchased themselves. They already know that this is the guy that does what they want to do and the whole do what you say, say what you do thing. People have latched onto that because they see what I'm doing. I, I made that cool creative video that we could probably tag in the back end of this. I said I was going to win trials. I said it for six months in advance. I put every ounce of effort that I could into it and it came off. And if you dedicate yourself to something like that, you put the effort in, you say you're going to do something and you follow through with it, that's ridiculously inspiring to people. Do you, you know, like, we used to talk about this a lot, right? But do you know that, like, that literally is the definition for integrity? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's no surprise. So do you know what this leads me? Dude, I'm about to actually shift a whole lot around my business and more around the theme of everything that I kind of coach is what you do. But my whole model is going to be more around how you become the business athlete. Mm. Because I love so many of the lessons, but you touched on dude, and I'm really interested how you do it. Because when you talked about visualization, remember me when I used to talk to you about when I was in the moment and I'd play footy and I kicked the goal after the grand on the final. Do you remember me telling you that story? Yeah, I do. Right? Like when I listened to your video, mate, I was like, I legit had goosebumps because every time, you know, I have a little moment where it's like, I hear something or like, I love watching docos on like coaches, you know, like, do you ever watch like the, like the American docos on like the NBA coaches or the like, uh, Phil Jackson? Yeah. Phil Jackson or the, or the um, Michael Jordan ones. Like dude, there yeah. are things that every time I watch that, I'm like, I get fucking goosebumps. I get fucking excited. Mm. Now, 
it happened with you. So I guess what I'm interested in is, talk to me a bit about how you practice that, right? Like I know that the part is your mantra, doing what you said you do when you said you do it, but also, but uh, visualization. Like, tell, tell me a bit about that and, and I guess like how that comes into your practice and, and your kind of goal setting. Yeah, man, I used to force it a lot. And I don't think that that works because you're, you're now telling yourself that you need it and it's the crutch. It's much more of a serendipitous nature now in, in sort of what I'm doing. And I, I'm putting in the effort, I'm putting in the work behind it. And, and now I'm getting these moments where very much like now I'm driving in the car on the way to training and I start to get these visions. And I, I had it for months in advance before this competition that I just won. And it was just me winning and having this big elation, this big crazy burst of energy and then going to hug my coach and throw him through the air. And it's, it's exactly what happened. And the reason I was so confident in that ability is because I saw it so many times. And <clears throat> it was one of those things where you start to see things enough, then you start to believe them. And I think visualization is the bridge to that self-belief that they can carry you through your actions. 100%. So where else do you practice? I mean, like you said, it's more serendipitous or it's like little moments or it's something. Right, but um, you said you see it and then you have clarity, right? So, how is that practiced in other areas of your life? It happens in business as well. So I, I, I've projected about what I want to have within my life, and I, I know my targets and I know my KPIs and everything like that. It's a little bit, it's a little bit less so on that side of the metrics and the, and the measurements. Like those are all very good indicators of your progress. But I think for me, mate, I, I have this vision of again, we can go back to the childhood stuff of, of what my family didn't have when they were growing up. And I think that's super important. Like, obviously, you think about connection, you think about the ability to be able to go do things, you think about what you had available to you. And I think these visions are sort of propagated. And it's whether you believe in the universe or God or Allah or whatever else, yeah. I, I think it's silly to assume that we don't have some high power above us. And I tend to sort of believe that it's almost... It's almost given to us. I, I think we're given these lofty goals and these lofty dreams to be able to prove to ourselves that we can do these things. And I think that is meant to serve other people to give them the inspiration to do that within their own lives, no matter how large or grand that happens to be. And I think as, as coaches and trainers and leaders, I, I think we're born with this stuff. I really do. I, I just have an innate ability to be able to do this sort of stuff. And obviously you can learn and develop that skill at the same time. But I think... The, the first initial understanding that you are a good leader, I think it's given to you. And I think the visualization process comes off the back of that because, you know, when you're thinking about a mate and then they text you 10 minutes later. Yeah. I think the same is to be said for that. Yeah. It's like the, you're, you're like, there's some kind of connection there. There's, I think so. I, I think, cause why, why are we so interested in leading other people? Because I know several other people that are not. I think the majority are not interested in leading other people. But why are we so interested in it? And it's it's a question that I give a lot of thought to. I really do. And I think it's just one of these things where through childhood or conditioning or anything like that, I, I think it may even be more than that. I think we're actually given the responsibility from some higher power, wherever it comes from, because they know we can handle it. They know that we're actually going to take that responsibility with both hands mm. and be able to impact several thousands of other people. Because in your career, mate, like through clients and, and business clients, there's, there's been numbers of people, hundreds, thousands, 
they they now all know a better way to operate their life because you existed. Mm. And the same can be said for me. And, and I think that's that's no short that's no small responsibility. That's no short task. Mm. I, I think we're chosen to be able to do those things because we can handle it. We can actually impart good messages and good practices to be able to build people into these better versions of themselves that they might not necessarily believe that they can be without somebody who leads them. Yeah. There's, there's like so many layers to that, that I think we could like, we could have fun with, you know, I've been, one, one thing I, I love is I love like kind of connecting with people. And obviously if you look at areas and it kind of was what that was bringing up for me is like, why, like, I'm no longer like a personal development junkie, right? Like I used to be, right? But, yes. but for me, the growth, the gro growth for me has always been something that like people ask me like, why, why are you like that way? Like, why are you so interested in that growth? Right? Do you get that? Because I know like when we stay yeah. in our circles, like especially personal trainers that I would say on the whole are more growth orientated. Sure. There's yeah. some that just are stuck in their ways, but for the most part we are. Right, we go back to our friends or our friendship groups or who we grew up with at school or whatever, and we realize we're very fucking, we're very different. Yes. So for me, if I like, if I was sharing that, like, one of the best lessons I ever learned about understanding values, and you know what's really funny? Um, I think about this a lot. You talked about D Martini a long time ago, right, Doctor John yes. D. Now, him and um, another guy that I'd studied under, and I love sharing his stuff, like uh, Michael Johnson, the Mojo Master in Adelaide. I remember. Yes. Yeah, like very similar beliefs on values. But one of the things that struck me the most was our values tend to come from our biggest voids. Mm -hmm. Like, do you get that? Like, when you I would, get that, I would completely, completely agree. Like, just to cut a long story short, I won't go into it too much, but. My mum was a, a prophetic liar and a coward. And my two highest values are authenticity and courage. The absolute highest things I hold dearest to my heart are authenticity and courage. Who, so who do you have to thank for that? Her, exactly. It's, it's not one of those things where I resent her or anything like that. Mm. I'm very grateful for that opportunity, but it is 100% the reason why I am the way I am. I'll, I'll, I'll be careful on my podcast, but like <clears throat> my mum is a prescription kind of drug addict for like over 30 years and an alcoholic. And my father is a workaholic, right? And I love him to death, right? The old school. <laughs> but yes. but at the same time, we have to accept that parts of us are our mum and dad. We are our mum and dad, because that was our conditioning. But this is where I think the growth comes from is usually, like I said, it comes from your voids. So the fact that we love health, the fact that we love focusing on our mental health and growth, Right, the fact that we love training so much, mate. My dad gave up footy at twenty-four to go focus purely on business, yeah. and, and and I love him. He's got jacked, ripped legs and arms, but you know, a pot gut, and I don't want that. Like I don't want yeah. that. I want I want health. I want to be lean and right. Like so, yeah. Like I think that's the really interesting. Like for me, just on learning and growth, and I'd be interested in like why you love it. But for me, when I was in prep, and I'll just say this. Um, so people maybe know a little bit about my story, but when I was five, I failed prep. Now, not many people can boast about that, right? Not many people are, you know, on the outside, if I was thinking about my, my story, uh, I'm dumb, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stupid, right? 
I literally love learning and growth for the point that if I look at it, when I was a kid, I failed prep because I was actually left-handed. Now this is the interesting part. They made me train <laughs> to my right. And it took me ages because then I didn't understand how to learn because I couldn't see things. I visually didn't get it, right? It took me ages to relearn it. That's why me understanding about how to learn and how to change habits. And also, by the way, a coach said to me, maybe, you know, you were like destined to be left-handed and to learn from that experience, but you weren't given that. I gave my power away to someone who told me that it should be a certain way. Yes. See why there's so many fucking layers to me wanting to find my own way and like yeah. trust myself. And so there's so many lessons. Where, where does that come from for you? Because that, again, Mate, drive. It's, it's actually really crazy because I have a super similar story. I, um, I used to read at a table full of kids in primary school and they would be flipping pages way faster than me. So I would focus on how many pages I was flipping instead of what the fucking content was when I was reading it. I was skipping lines. I'm like, nah, I've got to beat this person. got to beat this person. <laughs> and one of the things that was influential in my life is that I ended up moving schools when I was in year four because I, I actually got like bullied a lot. I was super shy as a kid and I, I really didn't fit in with that sort of crowd. And I hadn't earned mine yet, <laughs> but they gave it to me because I was leaving the school. And I actually remember this one girl, still, I still am quite good friends with her. Her name's Gordy. And she said, they're only giving that to you because you're leaving. <laughs> and I was like, you bitch. And it was true because it was, I, I hadn't earned it. And I think for the next couple of years, that really stung me. And I, I obviously still remember it from when I was eight years old. And so it's, it's one of those things where I, I did a post on Instagram probably about two years ago. And I had, this was uh, eight, eight full 240 page binders full of notes. And they were full back to back. I had uh, 16 or 17 empty ballpoint pens. Mm. I'd emptied all of the writing notes and I said I used to not be able to claim that I'd given my that I've got my pen license now I read and write more than anybody I know yeah and I think it is one of those things that drives that 100% you turn a weakness into a strength of course isn't that like uh when, when I don't get shit it's so funny I, I, I think I told you maybe a few years ago I walked down the street and I was living in the same suburb as my ex-principal from school and <laughs> right. And you know, I was being my usual self on the phone, making a doing a sales call, and being uh, loud. and he's like, "Fucking hell, Luxon!" I'm like, "Where did that come from?" I'm like, "Oh, Mr. Dorgan, like he's in my street, right?" He goes, "I thought when I left the school, I'd fucking wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to see you again." <laughs> you're, still, you're still annoying me, right? Oh, it was funny. So now you flip towards an online model, dude. Tell me, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned around business online? Because obviously you want to be able to, you were saying offline, you'll be able to transport this go overseas, but tell me what you've learned about that space because you had to kind of pivot through COVID. I think connection has to be the first and foremost value in terms of an online process because mate, like you've got the ability to be able to talk to anybody all the time, but that's, it's one of those things where you're not getting that in-person connection with people where you, you're not sharing body language, you're not walking around the gym floor. It can be very limited, but it also can be very expansive depending on the way that you run it. I see a lot of people do it the wrong way. I see a lot of people do it the right way. The people who do it the right way are the ones who really make an effort to do your weekly check-ins, do your feedbacks, have a, a video call rather than just email messaging because there's no there's no personality in an email. No. If, if I'm doing check-ins with clients, it's, it's the exact format that we're doing it right now where we get to chat, laugh and have fun and put sarcasm in and 
and like like I said previous in the episode, it's they people will not come to you for what you do. They come to you for who you are. And if that's the mechanism, if that's the blueprint, then why do we pretend that text message and email and all these sorts of things are adequate? They really are not. If you want a successful online business, you have to inject as much of your personality into it as possible. And the, the way that I do that specifically that's become really successful is video calls, voice memos, all these sorts of things. I, I, I send them t-shirts. I really look after them and I make sure that they know that they're in the right place. We've got a community group now where I'm going to start to do HPU team dinners. We're going to get get around at the end of the year and, and do all those sorts of things because, because I think we both come from team sports and a lot of people listening to this come from team sports. It's, yeah. it's that communal suffering that brings you so much closer together. And it's the reward of having that ability with other humans that brings you so much closer. It's, it happens in jiu-jitsu as well. A lot of people think jiu-jitsu is a, a primary sport. It's actually a team sport because you can't get better without your teammates. Yeah. The, the camaraderie that you gain from trying to strangle each other out every day, it's, it's astronomical. And I think the more that we can impart a team vibe onto the online community, the better that it's going to be as an experience for a customer experience for a client journey but i also think the better that you're going to feel about it as well there's not going to be an imposter syndrome about am i doing enough because if your clients are constantly sending you messages like oh mate your stuff is fantastic i can't, I can't believe i didn't do this sooner all those types of messages you know you're exactly doing the right thing and i think if you're not getting that you need to inject more of your personality a hundred percent dude the amount of people i talk to that are like um, it's really interesting and this might just build off what you're saying, but you know, like, let's just say online, like whilst I'm totally all about, like, let's look at ways that we can be smart around how we're scaling your time, right? Like it might be building out some modules and stuff that it's like, watch this, but what it's funny, like it's important. Yes. Because you, again, you won't be repeating yourself so much, but at the same time, like if I look at all the courses and all the things I've done, and this is a big aha with a like, guys, this is your free $250 tip from what I got speaking to my psych about a couple of weeks ago. The value in what you guys do, what you do, and, and this is what you were saying, Joshi, the value of what you do is if you look at all the courses you've probably done in the past, like, I don't know if you're like me, like I go through them and I'll smash them in two weeks. Like I'm a bit like ADD and I want to just go oh, yeah. through them. And I know you are too, but some courses, I might've watched 25% of them, but I was on every kind of group coaching call. Yep. Right? Now, why is that? Because it's exactly what you're actually saying. It's people come for the connection. They come for the value in the application of something to them on a call. And mate, I 100% agree. Like the one thing that, that my guys love is those accountability touch points. And if they just knew the one thing they needed to focus on for that like fortnight or whatever the check-in period is, if they know the one thing, then they have clarity. Like we don't, we simplify shit and we're like, cool, you're nailing these habits. We just want to focus on this one now. Correct. But, but yeah, it's the accountability and the touch points that are the absolute gold that creates that connection and the feeling of the, but the, like you said, I think that's what a lot of people are wanting to create in their business is that sense of community. Yeah, I, I think they should be. I think they're leaving They're leaving a lot of dollars and a lot of clients on the table if they don't focus there, mate. I've, I've done that in the past when I first started my online model. It was, it was very, I was on a limb and decided that I wanted to leave behind the in-person personal training business that I was running because to be quite frank, I didn't like the environment. It didn't suit me very well. The, the group was very clicky and uh, I don't respond 
that very well. I respond to being very open and honest and authentic, like, like I said. Uh, and I don't sort of the evolution of, of where I've come from to where I am now and the complete service that I deliver. It, it is those touch points that makes the biggest difference. And even a, a recent evolution that I've sort of gone through in the last six weeks is doing weekly feedback because I do fortnightly video calls that weekly feedback where I'm asking them questions that are thought provokers. For instance, the question I asked them last week, what would the person who have already achieved what you wanted her to achieve have done with their week this week? And why is what you have done any different? It's a brain buster and it's phenomenal because all my guys, I know what they want. They want to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So why are you not acting in accordance with what you say? And that's why I say, do what you say and say what you do. If you're prepared to use your words, be prepared to back them with actions because otherwise you will lose trust in yourself and then you can no longer trust that you have a good guidance mechanism internally. And if you don't have that, why would you continue to pursue anything because you can't trust your own word? 100%, that's what they want. Exactly. Joshy, can I just say, mate, in my 39 years on the planet, a few more than you, and I know you're learning a lot and growing a lot, I think, and I'll say this, you have to do enough dumb shit enough through your life, enough times before you actually have usually what is, what is some kind of a midlife crisis, whatever that looks like, a fucking level of consequence where you go, I fucking get it. I am so off track. I like, these are the behaviors that take me off because all those behaviors are just avoidance mechanisms, right? They're all yes. what another psychologist, like mate, one of the things I've had a lot of coaching on in the last 12 months called schema therapy. The schema, for example, is something like detached self-soothing. Now, if you're like a fucking highly driven person with unrelenting, standards and expectations that's great that we, we want to find a way for them to be healthier expectations right but when we're, we're constantly not meeting say for example this vision of ourselves yeah don't get me wrong it's fucking easier just to do the thing i think you and i both know it there's a fear or whatever but when people avoid it they have these behaviors to cope unfortunately mate, the behaviors are 39 years long or 23 years long yes or whatever so they're so ingrained, but once you understand it, as you said, that's where the kind of power lies. And that's what we end up coaching. I think the biggest lesson I've had made is, yeah, I'll teach people tools and things, but I'm actually coaching the person behind the goal all the time. Yes. And I think that's what you're doing, dude, like right there. The medium is the tools. But yeah. what we are actually doing is coaching the person. I would completely agree. Because it's not enough for them to want what they want. Everybody wants things. Yeah. Every, everybody wants things. Everybody wants to be rich, financially independent. Everybody wants to have a six tag. Everybody wants to look good, be a good role model for their kids. They, they want to be a leader. They want to have personal power. Everybody wants this. I don't care who you are. If you say that you don't want that, you're a silly goose. So why do people get it and why do people not get it? It comes down to the person behind the actions. 100%. Yep. It's a loop. So. One of the things I guess I'm, I'm really interested to, to, to kind of finish on, mate, is what are the top few lessons you've really learned? Because your evolution of um, jujitsu has become one of your loves in your life and you're becoming a lead at it, right? So if, I know it's going to be challenging for you, but if you could nail it down to a few things, right? What have been your, your greatest lessons becoming an athlete in BJJ um, and yeah. I'm really interested. 
Man, I think it's, I took a lot of lessons from rugby league and I took a lot of the things that I did there and the varied levels of success. I, I made it to the highest level. I never actually ended up playing in the NRL, but I did make it to the highest level. But I always had this imposter syndrome around why me? I always had this thing that this is all going to come crashing down as soon as you take your foot off the pedal. And understanding those lessons, I extrapolated that out. And it, it really was because of the attention validation cycle. I, I really wasn't doing it for myself. Don't get me wrong, I, I want personal greatness as much as the next person, but I also want to give back to my teammates. I want to give back to my coach. I want to give back to all the people that have helped me get to where I am. And I think that's just as important. I think the biggest lesson that I've derived con contrarian to, to rugby league versus to, to jiu-jitsu is that, again, the, the more that you act within your personal power, the better you're going to be. And I think if you can make powerful decisions based on what you want, not what other people want, not what other people expect of you, not what the expectation of you is at your certain age, not what the expectation of is you at your certain demographic or where you grew up or the price, the tax bracket that you're in. Your personal expectation should be solely your own because it's exhausting to live in the realm of what other people want of you. And even if you try and please them, you're always going to piss somebody off just by the fact that your face is the shape that it is. So why bother? Why bother? Gain your personal power. Gain the things that you would like to do. Really sit yourself down, look in the mirror and say, what do I want from my life? What do I want to have happen? What do I want to build? What do I want to create? What do I want to give back? And for me, jujitsu is one of those things. It's, it's been a very wild ride. I'm, the, I'm potentially the fastest brown belt in Australian history. Uh, I'm the person with the least amount of grappling experience to win the ADCC trials, which will send me to Vegas in September, where I'm planning on doing a lot of damage. I think it's been a, an amazing vehicle for me to really self-actualize and say to people, if you back what you say you want to do, you are more than entitled to have the things that you say you want, but you must violently chase it with action. You can't just think, you can't just manifest this stuff. Like all the all the white girls with the live, laugh, love tattoos, they've ruined the word manifestation. It's ridiculous. But if you really, really do say what you do and uh, do what you say and say what you do and you back the things that you say with action and you go after it and you believe that you can do it and then you start to create self-belief by the way that you get results from it, that's that's the big lesson. And I think jiu-jitsu has been a very big catalyst for that because it's, it's a medium of which I'm doing that. And, and business has been a big catalyst for that. The, 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 start of, the start of business, I was so fixated on numbers and ROI and projections and all these sorts of things. And I, I wasn't making nearly as much money as I am now. I, I've started to believe it's when I start to become my true self and start to actualize these sorts of things. And like I said, make, make decisions out of personal power. That's when people start to become attracted to you. Not the other way around. You don't have to be needy. You don't have to go looking for clients. You don't have to feel this imposter syndrome of I'm not good enough. But the more power you can bring within yourself and the more you can back what you say you do, people are drawn to that. People want to be around you. They need to be around you because they want to do that in their own personal life. How has this guy figured it out? I want to know exactly how he's figured it out. Maybe if I spend more time with him, I will figure it out. The, the, the saying I love, I use the most. If you hang around with five losers, you'll be the sixth. If you hang around with five weapons, you'll be the sixth. Yeah. It's so true that the more that you build your environment for success, the more that you build your environment around people like myself and yourself and 
and put yourself in the right rooms and hang out with the right people. If you're hanging out at the bar on Friday night with a bunch of degenerates, you're going to be the sixth one of them. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if that's in contention with what you say you want, you need to change it. Mate, that was, uh, that was a beautiful fucking lesson. And I think you've said the word power a few times. My, my, I, I couldn't fucking agree more. I think you have to be willing to accept or become what you want to become, right? Yes. Rather than pushing it away. You, you, you send out, um, and, and we probably re retweet one of the similar guys that I love, and he talks about Peter Crone. Yes. Right? And he, he has a saying, something along the lines of like, essentially you becoming the person you want to become is about stripping away all the layers that aren't you. Because yes. the, authentic, the authentic you is like behind that, right? But the other thing is like, it just sounds like a lot of your areas, whether it's training, whether it's everything now, it's finally fucking congruent. It's not just about skills. It's not academic. It's not all up in your head. It's actually, when you speak now, there's an alignment between what you say and the things you do. I got the right tail end of it. I said, finally, what it sounds like, dude, is there is a congruence between what you say and what you do. So. One thing that I, if anyone's sitting here and they're, they're listening to Josh's story, one of the biggest lessons I find for you to get yourself power, and it kind of ties in what we've spoken to. And, and again, what I love about today, mate, we just totally shot the shit and we didn't really have a plan. Um, but I think it was yes. fucking awesome lessons. As we do best. Mate, that's what we do, right? For me, power comes back to, you're here to live your life with your values, not other people's values. Unfortunately, yes. what most people don't realize is they're actually living their, their dad's mum and dad's values. They're living other people around them's values, right? The other thing is when you get really fucking clear on your mission, and I think it's a case of troll and error, but also really thinking and searching for it. Like when you understand your mission, your mission's a big long-term thing. It's like a 10 year plus goal, right? I love talking about vivid visions of the next like few years and what you see it being like. There's no reason why that won't evolve and change. In fact, it's a living organism and it's gonna fucking happen that way, right? Yes. Then the next thing is I go, all right, cool. I love that big picture stuff. And let's like let's totally think about it. But what do you wanna do this year? Like, what do you fucking really wanna put your heart into? What are your priorities? Mm -hmm. And then I love to break that down and break down your values and the things that are really important into like, your plan for how you want to do it. That's how you know I've always structured helping people in say business and then understanding the skills that they need to build. But I think behind that, dude, if you put your heart into it because you really want to find your journey and that, and you know, the struggle is real, right? <laughs> to get there. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. You'll be fucking inspired. And by being inspired and documenting your journey and sharing the lessons that you share with other people, not trying to be something else, just sharing what you've learned. And, and, and Josh, I'm gonna say this, that's what you do, whether it's what you learned from your jujitsu coach or what you learned from a client or whatever, you've just documented it and shared it because it's your journey. And I think if anyone can take that away, then you don't ever have to worry about being anyone else because you're just doing you. Exactly. That's it, pretty it, fucking brings cool, a, um, it? it brings up a quote, mate, that I, I've referenced this a lot and it, it's for a lot of people that, that maybe look silly or stupid. To, to be willing to be the man in the arena with the fame and the glory, you have to be willing to be the man in the gutter with nothing. Mm. It, it takes a level of authenticity. It takes a level of courage. But as soon as you can get past that in your own head, 
that the people who have achieved amazing things in their life have always been willing to lose it all. Don't take the safe route. Don't do the safe play. Don't try and buttress your dreams with plan Bs and rubbish like that. If you really, really want it, go after it. If you fail, you've just found one more way that doesn't work. Keep moving forwards. You have to be willing to be the person that just keeps going. 100%. Joshy, I'm loving your journey, dude. I, I can't wait to hear that you, I don't know what it is, but become a world champion in jujitsu and destroy human beings and build, you know, amazing communities and everything you're doing, mate. I said, you're, you're a special kind of human. I've, I've got a, I've always got a soft spot for you, mate. And uh, I love having a big bear hug and then getting the, the my life squeezed from my chest when I, when I usually see you. So hope, <laughs> hopefully that's not, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to even bother play, play, play wrestling with you ever again. So uh, no, that's just, that would be a silly. No, nope. nope. it was already on. It was already unfair three years ago, mate. Now it's just a fucking laugh. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> Unfortunately, I couldn't even send someone else in to do it for me to get you. Now you just destroy everyone. No, nah, not, in, not in this country because I'm the number one heavyweight in the country, mate. I know you are, mate. I know. it's, it's uh, But, you know, Australia's too small for you. So, um, mate, uh, we'll, we'll continue to yes. document this, mate. I'd love to pick this up even in a, in a few months and just kind of see where you're at. Um, but dude, I know you're a busy guy, so we'll wrap it up there, mate. This was uh, this was awesome. I think everyone will get a lot of value from it. And um, yeah, dude, take care and look after yourself. When are you off overseas? Uh, the fourth of September. We're looking to go to Texas for two weeks and train with the best in the world. And then the competition will be the seventeenth to the eighteenth. Uh, and then I'm probably going to stay back another two weeks. Okay, cool. We'll see what opportunities come from that. Very exciting. Lux, mate, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's always good catching up, always good talking shop. We always, look, we have the same values. We're going after the same thing. So it's always a, an inspiring conversation and I hope people got a lot out of it. Uh, I have no doubt people will, mate. Um, take care, look after yourself, my friend, and uh, drive safe. Thanks for, for getting it done, mate. I know you're, you're a busy human, so we'll, uh, we'll chat soon. I appreciate it, mate. Take care. See you, bro.